Well, as Paul helped us remember, we have finally gotten to hear the Palm Sunday story. The story of Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem, and I, as Paul reminded all of us, have been telling us for the last few weeks that we had actually passed that event in our Sunday morning scriptures. So if you're feeling like we've done some time traveling here, you would not be mistaken. Remember, as Paul reminded us, that in John's gospel, the tipping point was the raising of Lazarus. For that, the Jewish leaders could stand no more. The event brings too many followers to Jesus. The event may be just a bit too close to what God might actually do, and it is the event that sets Jesus' death sentence into motion. Now, it was not long after Lazarus waddled out of that tomb that Jesus joined him and his sisters Mary and Martha for an amazing celebration dinner, a dinner where grace flowed upon grace in the abundance of Mary, pouring expensive perfume all over Jesus. And then the next morning, they shake off the remnants of the night's joyous party, and they enter the city, Jerusalem, with Jesus riding on a donkey. The parade is met by throngs of people waving palm branches and shouting Hosanna, celebrating the entry of what they hope, what they believe to be their savior. The atmosphere is abuzz with excitement. There is an energy of optimism, of hope, of contagious joy. Hosanna means save us. The crowds shout to Jesus, save us, save us. We shouted the same thing this morning in our call to worship, in our confession, save us. And on that day back in Jerusalem and here today, the shouts are ones of joy and promise, promise of what will come with this one on the back of a donkey in charge. How their world is about to change, they think, and all for the better. But there's another side to this salvation a side most of them and us would rather not see, not experience, not admit. Because before too long, it is Friday of that fateful week, Good Friday as we have come to call it, and the king on the donkey now stands whipped and beaten, draped in a mock robe with thorns crowning his head, ready to be led off to die a horrific death on a cross. Hosanna's turned to heartbreak. And how, we ask, what in the world happened to get us here? Weren't we just standing on the curb, waving our palms with glee as the parade went by? And now, now we are standing at the foot of a cross? I can never tell this part of the story without being reduced to racking sobs. The first time I was seven years old, I had made my first communion that fall, and so that Lent, I was allowed to join all the kids in the neighborhood who headed across the street after school on Fridays for the Stations of the Cross. It was a rite of passage that I had been waiting for. If you are not familiar with the Stations, it is a liturgy that progresses through the 14 events of Good Friday, from Jesus being condemned to die that we heard this morning, and ending with his body being laid in the tomb. And at seven, I had never heard all 14 stations. And at seven, I became overwhelmed with the horror and the sorrow. 
And pretty soon I had laid my little head on my crossed arms on the pew back in front of me and was sobbing so loudly that sister came and removed me from the liturgy. And I still remember being incensed when she told my mother that I was perhaps too immature and should not come back until I was older. And I stood there thinking, I am the only one who listened and truly understood. Everyone in there should be sobbing. I didn't go back to the Stations of the Cross until I was asked to lead it when I was in my 30s. I got through telling it that time, but I have to admit to you that this Thursday as I wrote this, I was once again reduced to sobs. And contrary to the good sister's assessment, I still think that is the mature response. Because this story speaks to the unspeakable violence that we are capable of as human beings. And it also speaks to the depth of sorrow and pain that we are exposed to sometimes here in this life. And that is worth crying about. And God can handle that crying, invites that crying. In fact, the Psalms are filled with the tears of those who came before us, shaking their fists at the heavens, seeking solace and consolation. I dare say we have all experienced sorrow, pain, loss in our individual lives. People we love die. Lives we have spent years crafting implode in mental illness. Financial ruin comes out of nowhere and we can't keep a roof over our heads or food on our table. We long desperately for a family that never comes. Oh, the list is long and difficult. And if we've lived much at all, we have been taken at some point to those levels of sorrow. And it can lay us out and do us in and exhaust us. And then, of course, there are the corporate tragedies, the ones that we face together. Yet again, this past week, innocent children and the adults trying to lead them were gunned down in what should have been a safe place, their school. And we are caught breathless once again, and our blood runs cold as we look at their pictures, and our hearts ache for a problem that we can see so clearly and yet feel hopeless to do anything about. What can we do? And if you are like me, you sob over this as well. Tears flowing for those we do not know, yet know that this was not how that day was supposed to end for them. And we cannot even begin to fathom what this feels like for their families and loved ones. So here's the thing. As much as this story today brings me to weeping, it also reminds me that the world is and always has been a place of tragedy at times, a place where hosannas turn to heartbreak before we know it. One minute all is well in our world, and the next we have been pushed off a cliff and tumble into an abyss of loss and sorrow. This life can be fragile. The fabric of this life gets torn, is frayed, ripped violently in some places. And in those ripped and tattered places, there is a challenge to feeling connected to God. In the midst of our loss and suffering, we feel alone and we wonder where God is. We may not even be able to reach out for God in those moments. 
And when that happens, I look to how many of Jesus' friends and followers deserted him on that last day because they couldn't take it. The disbelief, the swift change in events, the horror of it all was just too much. And I think we can find some comfort in that, in knowing that our responses to tragedy and loss are normal, they're human. Because our beliefs, our faith, even our trust can be profoundly shaken in the face of tragedy, just like those friends of Jesus, because that is being human. How we deal with these situations, whether a personal loss or a communal loss like this week's school shooting, how we deal is so important. No one, God least of all, expects us to get over these heartbreaks quickly. We can be angry. We can shake our fists at God, yell and scream and cry our eyes out asking why. We can turn to the Psalms that show us that not only is this normal, but it is biblical. The Psalms teach us how to scream our sorrows to God, how to shake our fists at the divine in rage and dismay. The Psalms give us the words that our hearts long to speak, but we may not be able to find on our own. And even Jesus will quote the Psalms from the cross. So go ahead, be angry with God, cry your eyes out over injustice, tragedy, loss, and pain. It actually is all part of the grieving process, and grief is the healing process for our hearts and souls, and grief can mend us over time. And we remember that our God transforms hopelessness and loss into meaningful life. Our God brings new life, brings resurrection out of even the most hopeless situations. And this is why it is so important for all of us to tell our resurrection stories, our stories, not just the story that we will hear next Sunday on Easter, but our shared resurrection stories because they sustain us and they lead us back to life. Now, it's never a life that looks the same. Jesus bore the wounds of that crucifixion on Easter morning, but he was alive resurrected to a new life, not restored life, new life. And the same is true in our resurrection stories. After a deep loss or tragedy, we can make our way back to a new life. And it will look different than the old life, and we will feel different, but it is indeed possible to find a new life that holds meaning and purpose even after the most tragic of losses. That's what it means to be an Easter people. And this is why, as difficult as it is to hear and for me to tell this horrific part of Jesus' story today, we must do that. Because the empty cross on Easter morning really means nothing if we haven't stood at the foot of the cross on Calvary on Good Friday. We must need resurrection. We must be in the midst of death to need Easter. And we live in a culture that wants to skip Good Fridays in every way it can. And I get it, because none of this is fun. None of it is pleasant. But when we skip the Good Friday story, 
We don't know to hang on until Easter when our own Good Fridays come. When we skip the Good Friday story, we are set adrift and can too easily lose our way when our own hosannas inevitably turn to heartbreak. God's power of love is revealed on the cross, but in the strangest way. It is in a way that says, I have been there too, dearly beloved. I have suffered the worst the human life can dish out. Betrayal, humiliation, physical pain, desertion, abandonment, you name it, I met it on the cross. Who else has a God that suffers what the rest of us suffer? Who else has a God who truly, totally understands the human condition because they lived it? And because of that, we have hope. We can find hope. We can live in hope. So in the midst of that human suffering that does come to all of us, try to cling fast to God. Whatever you are going through, know that God has been there as well. Whatever your deepest sorrow, your most difficult pain, your most debilitating fears, know with all your heart that Jesus knows and understands. He has been there. His suffering ensures that our suffering is understood. His suffering means that he weeps with us. His suffering assures that he will never leave our sides as we journey through whatever hells we might find ourselves in. And that is where we find hope when our hosannas turn to heartbreak. That is where we find endurance. It comes from the cross, from knowing that Jesus knows what we know, from knowing that there is no suffering we would endure that he has not. And... The most important part, remembering that the power of love won the day. Death did not have the last word. Weeping and wailing and mourning were not the end of the story. They never are when we have the faith that leads to hope. So, weep away and believe always in the power of the love that shows up without question when hosannas turn to heartbreak.